Well, good morning, family. It is good to be in church. We had a wonderful time. I'm grateful that uh, Carol and I were able to get away and vacation, and I got to do a lot of reading and had a great, wonderful, restorative time. So I'm ready to be back. And I told him back, I got about an hour and a half to hour, 45 minutes sermon. No, just kidding. Today, we are, today's a big deal. You know, it's a big deal. And um, I would say that the majority of Christians don't realize how big today is. And uh, oftentimes it's, you know, Palm Sunday, and there is so much, uh, some celebration sometimes, you know, the, they'll do the palm dances and different things, and that, that's great. And the children usually, you know, kind of do their parade and all of that. Um, but Palm Sunday is, it's one of the most important days in all of history. And, um, and if you miss it, well, you really are missing something extremely important to us as believers. And uh, I know, uh, thinking about the times I've missed important events in my life, times I've forgotten about an important event, I won't tell you all about those, but have any of you ever forgotten your anniversary? Don't it, you don't have to put your hand up. I, we don't really want to know. Um, but you... I, I didn't. That wasn't the day I forgot. <laughs> but um, Palm Sunday is a day that was missed. The first Palm Sunday was missed by the majority of the people. And there were some who recognized the significance of that day. And so today we're going to take a look at this day. And uh, actually it starts before what is called Passion Week. This week... Um, from Palm Sunday to, um, you know, Easter is the most, uh, the most notarized, m most important week of the Christian calendar. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, the time from Palm Sunday to uh, Easter is a time when, you know, the Bible gives most emphasis to in fact, the book of Mark, more than half the book of Mark, is just on that week. The rest of it's on the rest of the life of Jesus. And that's true um, in the majority of the gospel writings, the majority of the time and emphasis is on this week, uh, this Passion Week time. And, but it started, and we're going to take a look in the book of Luke. That's where we're going to be if you want to... Uh, get ahead on it. Um, we're going to be in the 19th chapter. But in the 9th chapter, it tells us that what Jesus was on his way to do. In fact, in verse 51, it says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. Now, he, it says he, was, he knew it was going to be time, so what did he do? He headed toward Jerusalem. He had an assignment. He knew what he was going, supposed to do. And it really all begins then with a donkey ride. That's where it starts. It starts with a donkey ride. And 
in verse uh, 29 of chapter 19, let me read to you just a setup on this for the donkey ride. It came to pass when he drew near Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you where you are entering, where you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat, ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Then verse 35, it says, then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their coats uh, on the colt, their clothes on the coat, and set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road and, uh, and so Jesus is starting this whole thing on a donkey ride. Well, it's not just a donkey ride. It's actually fulfillment of a, of a prophecy. The Bible says in Zechariah 9.9, the prophet is looking forward to the coming Messiah. And he says, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of, of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just in having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Now, notice it, it says he's lowly. He's Jesus, the glory of Jesus is in his humility. And you see this as Jesus gets on this donkey and he's going to be declaring himself or acknowledging that he is truly the king, the king of kings and lord of lords. And something dramatic is taking place here. There's something changing in Jesus's interaction with the crowds. Because prior to this, when Jesus would do things, like he'd heal somebody and he'd say, go, don't go telling everybody. Don't, don't, you know, there were sometimes he would say, you need to go to the priest to acknowledge your healing, especially like when he healed the, the lepers and so forth. But he would say, don't tell anybody. He, he, in fact, there were times when the crowd started coming, Jesus would leave because it wasn't time yet. They wanted to crown him. They wanted to acknowledge him as Messiah, but it wasn't time yet. But this time, something changes. Not only is Jesus going to receive all the praise and adulations and worship as a king, but he's actually setting it up. So he... He has them get this donkey, which is a fulfillment of, of prophecy that, that the king would ride on a donkey, and he begins this descent that is going, and he starts to receive praise. Um, and in verse 35, it says, then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw all their clothes on, the, on him, it said, and then verse 36, and as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. So they begin to praise and worship. They start to shout and, and praise him. And the, the, there's some things we learn in this story. I, there's three things I want you to take home with you. The first one is this. Be aware of the opportunity to respond to God's presence. Be aware of the opportunity to respond to God's presence. There are some people aware of what's going on here. 
They're, I don't know the depth of their knowledge, but I know one thing. They know to praise and worship and to proclaim. They know that he is a savior. They're going to be pronouncing and asking him to save. They're going to be shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And as they're praying, he's going to be receiving praise. And in our lives, we come in opportunity, opportune times. They, they're all around us. Times to praise the Lord. Don't miss those opportunities. Sometimes we have great opportunities to praise God and give worship to God, and we get our mind, you know, wandering and focused on other things. How many times have you come to church and, you, you know, you came to church and you're standing there and the songs are being sung and your mind is somewhere else because you have a lot of things going on and, and you know th those are times are missed opportunities when we could really focus in and enter the presence of the Lord and experience the presence of God in our life. And when we do focus, when we do stop, and we do prepare ourselves, if you would, because there was preparation being made here. And these people were preparing, and they were prepared to worship, and they were praising him. They understood who he was. Many of these people were from Galilee, where Jesus did many miracles, and they had followed him here. And now, as he's being acknowledged for something that is extremely um, important at this time, there's two things that this story is going to really um, uh, be about, if you would. I'm not talking about our application, but it's going, it's going to be about two important things that are happening at this particular time. And... Uh, and so the, they're, they're acknowledging. In fact, the scripture says in verse 39, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should, not, should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Why were they saying to rebuke the disciples, rebuke his disciples? Because the Pharisees saw that they were worshiping him. And they know that God is the only one to be worshipped. And Jesus was accepting worship because Jesus is God. And so they, they, they're going down this descent. They're heading toward Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. And I think we have a picture here of one of our, uh, our, our trips to Israel. We always take this descent and you walk down, and, and as you walk down this trail, you can see across the, on the hill on the other side where the Dome of the Rock is there, that is uh, the, the Temple Mount. The temple is there. And if you can look, it's kind of hard to see, but there's, a, in the wall, there's an area that just kind of sticks out. That's the eastern gate of the city. And across from the eastern gate, is the Mount of Olives. So they're descending down. They'll go to the Mount of Olives. That's where Jesus will take them. They'll, they'll cross the valley, and Jesus will go into the gate. The gate's closed now and will be until Jesus comes back. The Bible tells us that once that is sealed, it won't be open until Jesus comes back. And uh, so now you can't get through it, but then you could. And Jesus would go in and straight up into the temple area. Um, and so they're saying, the, the Pharisees are saying, tell them to stop. Tell them to stop. You can't be doing this. And Jesus receives worship. He says, in fact, he says, if they don't, the rocks will cry out. There's something happening right now 
that you don't understand. You don't understand what's taking place here. It's what Jesus is in, in, in a way telling them. You don't understand the significance of this moment and this day. See, it's, this is Jesus' triumphant entry, and it's a fulfillment of prophecy. And uh, this is a day for rejoicing and praise. It was a significant moment, and even more than that, a significant person. Jesus is re being revealed for who he is, but it's a significant moment in time. And that's where I take you to the second point that I want you to take home with you is be aware of the prophetic significance of the day. Today, we have a prophetic significance. We're in a season of prophetic significance. I'm, I'm talking about biblically. We're watching things around us happening that are, um, that are uh, setting up for what God has said was going to take place. We're seeing a movement that is happening in this world that we can identify with when we read the book of Revelation, we read the book of Daniel. We're seeing those things happening. Be aware of the significance of the prophetic moments that we're in in this day. Now, there are two types of prophecies that, that, are, uh, that, that, that are mostly brought through the scriptures. The, the first one, I would just say, is actually the, the one that is the largest in, the in Scripture, and that is types and shadows. That there are types and shadows that are prophetic in the Scripture. And <clears throat> Passover, Passover and Passover week is a type and shadow. The, the first Passover God gave to the children of Israel already had in it types and shadows of Jesus Christ being the lamb who would, who would be slain from the foundation of the earth. He, he would, the, the, the sacrament or the sacrifice that Jesus would make is seen in the type of the Passover. And so when, when God told the children of Israel, you're to take a lamb and you're to sacrifice that lamb, you're to take the blood and put it on the doorpost so that your firstborn, so, so that your household would be saved, and those who didn't have the blood, there would be death in that household. That Passover was, uh, was a type of what happens in life for humanity. That if you don't have the blood covering then you are subject to death, eternal death, separation from God. And the only answer is the sacrifice of a lamb. See, and that's why John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, and he cried out, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, John understood. And the people did too. The people that were listening, they understood what that was about, that Jesus would be the sacrifice and that would, would take away the sins of the world. And these are types. So for 1,500 years up until the time of Christ, and by the way, still today, 2,000 years after Christ, Jews everywhere you know, um, th that, that are practicing look at Passover as being one of the most significant days of the year, probably the most significant day of the year. And they will um, celebrate the Passover meal, um, they don't do animal sacrifice anymore because the temple's gone. 
but they still celebrate Passover, and they recognize it as the time that God said, made a way for them to be delivered from Egypt. But Jews who have not recognized the Messiah don't see the significance. You see, Jesus was the Passover. Hebrews says that he is our Passover. And not only that, Jesus died on Passover. Okay? He died on Passover. But something's happening here in, in the shadow, and we'll talk about that in a second. The, the second way, in fact, prophecy comes, first is by the shadows, and the second way is the direct word for, uh, of foretelling the truth. So there are scripture, as we, will, we see, there's over 300 scriptures directed toward Jesus as Messiah that are very specific. And we're going to look at one of them today that is Jesus is fulfilling on, on Palm Sunday. That is, that the Bible, Old Testament, prophesies of the Messiah and gives some very great detail to who the Messiah is so that we won't miss it. And if you look at the prophetic word about who the Messiah will be, you won't, there's no second guessing. You'll know it has to be Jesus. He had to be the Messiah that God says was going to come. So, so, um, so Easter week, this week, and this day is significant. Um, you've heard me say this, those of you who've been around for a while. Palm Sunday, we call it Palm Sunday. The Jews didn't have a Palm Sunday. And that on, when Jesus came down on Palm Sunday, it was Lamb Selection Day. That's what it was. Lamb Selection Day. Because God had told them at, in Exodus in chapter 12, God told them that they were to, as they were to prepare for Passover, that they were to take a male lamb or goat, one year old. And they said it had to be without spot, uh, or without, you know, without any defects, no defects. And then it must be chosen on the 10th day of the first month for a four-day observation. And, it, and then the, the lamb would be sacrificed on the 14th day, which is Passover at twilight. Now, if you're looking at that and you kind of got a picture of what happened on, when Jesus died on the cross, you would see this, that Jesus was without spot or wrinkle, without defect, he was perfect. But Jesus, this day, was the 10th day of the month of Nisan. It's the first month of the Jewish year, and it's four days before, before Passover. So, on this day, when Jesus is coming on Palm Sunday, this is what Jews all over the country are doing. They're choosing the lamb that they're going to sacrifice on Passover. And they're making the choice. They're looking through all their lambs and finding some of them who don't have any. They're, they're going to market and purchasing them. In fact, at this time, in the temple... There, were, there was a scheme going on in which they would um, trade off sheep. I mean, there was a money-making scheme going on. 
because people would come, you know, they're, they're traveling all over, different places around the, the, not only the country, but outside the country. In other countries, Jews are coming to Passover, and they're bringing their lamb with them, and they get them there, and they allow them to kind of be inspected. Is this lamb good enough to be sacrificed? And, um, and some of, then, then the, the trader would go, well, that one's really got a defect. I can see, we've got a lamb for you. So you give us our lamb with a little bit more, you know, give us your lamb with a little bit more, we'll give you a lamb that you can really sacrifice unto God. And so there's many changing going on in the temple as that's going on. By the way, what you, you will remember that after Palm Sunday, where does Jesus go? He goes into the temple and he overturns the money changers. He said, you have made my father's house a, a house of a den of thieves. And it's supposed to be a house of prayer. Now, what would happen is that a Jewish family would take in four days before Passover and take that lamb into the home. And they would observe it. If they saw the lamb had a limp or something, well, then it wasn't ready and they would get another lamb. But they would observe it to make sure it was, it was well. But not only that, there was an attachment happening with the lamb. That lamb is becoming a pet. It's living in their house with them. And that, that attachment, when they would sacrifice the lamb, it would hurt a little bit more, you see. What is happening today on Palm Sunday is Jesus, is, as he's coming in, He's being accepted by the people as the lamb who would take away the sins of the world. This is, this is la lamb uh, cho choosing day, selection day, and they're selecting the lamb. Jesus is the lamb who would be then sacrificed. It tells us in Matthew 21, 9, then the multitudes who went before those who followed and cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, Hosanna means save now. God save now. There's something else going on. I said, there's a lot going on in this whole event. Jesus is coming down the hill, heading toward Jerusalem, and you'll see in a moment he's going to stop and he's going to pray and weep over Jerusalem. But as he's coming in, and it will eventually go into the eastern gate where we talked about, at the northern gate, there's, a, there's another parade happening simultaneously. It's happening on Palm Sunday. It's happening on Lamb Selection Day. Because the, in the northern gate, they, are, they have gone up to Bethlehem and selected the lamb that is the, to be the sacrificial lamb by the high priest for, for the people. So they're selecting, the, the high priest is selecting a lamb. And they've gone up to Bethlehem. Remember the, the, the shepherds that were, saw the Lord? They actually raised the lambs for the temple worship. And so they go up and they come back down the, through the northern gate, and they're celebrating, and they're singing, and they're praising God. Now, we know what they were singing. They were singing the halal, which is the, um, it's, it's the Psalms from, from uh, uh, Psalms 115 to 118. They would be singing these Psalms. 
And as you get toward closer to the gate and the entrance of the gate, you would be singing the final psalm, which is Psalm 118. And let me read to you the words that they would have been singing as they came into the temple area through the northern gate as Jesus would be coming with the group of people with him up into the eastern gate. They would be singing from Psalms 118, verses 22, and it it says this, The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. And this was the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And listen to these words. Save now. What is that? Hosanna. 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 I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray. Send now prosperity. Save now. Save now. Hosanna. They would be singing Hosanna. The These people that are following and praising the Lord, do you think they might have a little insight? They're singing the same thing. And they're singing it about Jesus. See? Because the high priests and those who are following him have not come to recognize that Jesus is, in fact, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. So this is happening... Do you think this is an accident? I don't think so. I think God has a, had a well-orchestrated plan down to the minutia. So, so for the next, you know, four days, Jesus is an observation. And one of the things he does do is he goes and cleanses the temple, you see, that he is holy in, in, uh, in every way. And then... Here's the third thing. Don't miss your visitation moments because this is important. On this day is when Jesus, in Luke chapter 19 and verse 41, it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and and level you and your children with you for the ground that they will not leave in you one stone upon another because, because, everybody say because, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Why is all this going to happen? Because they did not know the time of their visitation. This day is incredibly significant prophetically. I said there's prophecy in types and shadows and then there's direct prophecy. In Daniel chapter nine, and many of you know I've talked about this before, but um, Daniel made a prophecy. And um, in Daniel's prophecy, he he told them, he told Daniel to understand that there is going to be a set time pattern before the end would come and the prince or the, the Messiah would, would come and he would do some very important things. In fact, the scripture says uh, he, he would come to finish transgression, to, to, to make an end of sins, 
to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So Messiah was going to come, and Daniel gives, is given a time frame. Actually, the time frame is uh, a total of 490 uh, years, but actually the main time frame until Messiah would come was, 400, would, um, was 483 years. Um, in fact, uh, in the late 1800s, uh, a, um, a Scotland Yard um, criminal investigator, in fact, he was the head of, uh, of the criminal investigation department in Scotland Yard, his name was Sir Robert Anderson, uh, did a study and wrote a book that became very famous. Um, it was um, in his book, he wrote, it's called The Coming Prince. He, what he did is he took this prophecy from Daniel and he decided to, 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 to figure out from the time that, um, that this decree came out. Because the Bible says when after, from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah would be these 483 years. And so he, um, he looked at it and noted, knew that Artaxerxes had made the command, we have it both historically and biblically, in 445 B.C. And then what he did is he used the Hebrew calendar instead of ours. Because if you use, um, you know, our calendar, it's 365 days, and it, it, it doesn't work right. But if you use the Hebrew calendar, which, of course, when... Daniel received the message. It was in, at that time, they used the Hebrew calendar. And he figured out by adding the days, there's 173,880 days in that 483 years. And he figured it out, and it came to, from the time of Artaxerxes' command in 445 B.C., it came to um, the date of April 6th, 32 A.D. Artaxerxes gave that command, by the way, in March 14th. So he knew the exact day it was given, and he made the calculation, and uh, it came to April 6, 32 A.D. Now, that's in, you know, in our calendar, it's April 6. But just so happens that April 6, 32 A.D. was, in fact the 10th of Nisan on the Jewish calendar, A.D. 32. The 10th of Nisan. What is that day? Palm Sunday. So when, he, when God had spoken and said that Messiah would come, and this was the moment, if, if they were in tune with the prophecy of that day, they would have expected that the Messiah would in fact be there in that year. And if they calculated it right, just down you know, to, the, to the day, they would know from the time, because they had the information that the Messiah would be here, you know, being seen as the, the Prince of God, he would be seen on the 10th of Nisan, which is Palm Sunday. Lamb Selection Day. So as Jesus was coming down, he was fulfilling a scripture directly given by God over 500 years earlier about this moment 
And, and not everybody was getting it. And so he cries out in verse 37 of Matthew 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see no see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. By the way, that is going to happen to the nation of Israel. I mean, there are Jews all over the world who know Jesus, but the majority are still in darkness about who the Messiah is. But there will be a day when they will say, all Israel, the Bible says in Zechariah, they will, all Israel will be saved. That there will be a day they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Bible says they will weep for, the, for him whom they had pierced. They, they will weep. And so Jesus said, I wanted you, but you were not willing. God's incredibly patient. He was incredibly patient with the people, actually waiting several hundred years, giving them a generation after generation, a chance to repent and turn to the only true God and be rescued. They didn't just miss the visitation. They didn't just sleep through it or forget or just mis misunderstood. They could only claim those things, but the, but the reality is they didn't want it. Or more specifically, they didn't want him. That's what's going on. And although the nation missed the visitation, not everyone missed it. Some, some saw. Some were praising as he was coming in. Some were glorifying him. Some were declaring him as Lord and saying, Lord, save us. Some got it. But others didn't want him. I think Jesus is, in fact, the one person who is the greatest divider because the world is divided between those who want him and those who don't. The, the world is divided by those who will receive him and those who won't. And he, may, he, he then cries out with broken heart. He wants every single one of them, but not every single one of them want him. So, visitation moments... They're important. They're important to you and me. We have visitation moments. See, sometimes we make ourselves unavailable for God moments, for visitation moments. We, we're just not there. We just don't show up. You know, we're, when everybody else maybe is there, we're not there. It's kind of like Thomas. Everybody was there when Jesus was showing his hands and his feet as he rose, but Thomas wasn't there. And he didn't believe because he wasn't there. He missed it. I don't know where he was. Was he on vacation? I don't know where Thomas was. Was he playing? At, was he at, at his son's soccer game? I don't know where he was, but he missed it. He missed it. It was an opportunity, but he didn't, he wasn't there. I think of times in my own life, how many times I've missed opportunities when God really showed up. I, I, you, you ever come to church, you know, and somebody tell you, oh man, you should have been here last week. Don't tell me that. 
What did I miss? You know, that kind of thing. There's, there's these moments where you go, you, you miss. You're just not there. And for whatever reason, you're, you're not there in, in those moments. And then there are moments when I'm so glad I showed up. I remember, I remember a New Year's Eve service when I was a young Christian. I think about two years old in the Lord. And I remember coming down and the presence of God was so powerful. All I remember is kneeling at the altar and for about two hours just weeping in the presence of God. It wasn't, we, it wasn't uh, tears of sorrow. It was just, just a tear, tear, there were tears of release and blessing and healing and the power of God. I remember having a visitation from God that gave me direction. It was a Wednesday night. And if it was, I wasn't there then, I would have missed one of the most important days of my life. It was the day I got called into, into ministry. It was a moment where I was there and I'm grateful. And, and, and it's not that you have to be fearful of not being there. You know, it's like, I better be at every gathering because it's not even about that. Some of those times are just times in your closet. When you get alone with God, and, there, and, and then God visits for in a special way, and you have this special time. I remember walking to a, a Christian concert at Calvary Chapel back in early days of my, my walk with God, and I, I was late, and I got out of the car, and I was kind of in a hurry, and I had friends that were going to meet me there, and they were already in, in, the, in the service, and they were having their worship already. I could hear it in the distance. And as I'm walking kind of quickly, all of a sudden, I could feel the presence of God to the place that it kind of took my breath away. And I, I remember just leaning up against the wall. I just stopped, and I could feel God's presence so strongly. I could, my, my legs got wobbly. I was just like... I was glad I was late that day, but I was there. And I had a moment, I just had a time of communion with God and a surrender to his presence. Nobody was preaching, nobody was talking. It just, do you, can you remember any of the moments like that with God? Remember those times? They're so powerful and so wonderful and so important in our lives as we're open to God and he's working in our lives. They were, so sometimes we just are unavailable. Sometimes we're so satisfied with the past God moments. I mean, I'm glad for what's happened, but I, I'm not done. I've had enough for a lifetime, but I want more. Don't you? I mean, how many Christians live in the past? I'll have people say, oh, I love the old hymns, or I love these old songs we used to sing. You know, they just touch my heart. Okay, I, I love them too. That's good. We're going to sing that same song over and over again every Sunday, every week, and what are we going to do that? Is that all you got? Is that the repertoire of your worship? Is just something, just that which is from the past? Or are you looking for some more? Because I believe God has more. Sometimes we look for seek and embrace God moments. And that's what we want to do. We want to seek and embrace God moments. It's so important to us. Notice those who saw three, three last things. They were waiting for Jesus to show up. They were waiting. They, they were waiting on Jesus to serve him. They were ready to pour the, put their clothes down and their jackets and, you know, 
and they were waiting for Jesus to deliver them. They were saying, Jesus, save now. Save now. We have visitation moments, and I would encourage you, let Palm Sunday be a reminder that God desires you. He wept over Jerusalem, every one of them. Oh, I would gather you. He says that to each and every one of us. I would gather you as a, a hen gathers her checks. I, I just would cover you. I will protect you. I will bless you. But I guess the last question is, have you chosen your lamb on Lamb Selection Day? I have. His name is Jesus. He's my sacrifice. He's my hope. He's my savior. And he's my God. And if you haven't done that, I would encourage you right now. This is your moment. You never know. You can't miss the moment. You, you might not get another moment. This could be the last opportunity. So you want to take advantage. And whether you're here or you're watching online, I just would say to you, Jesus can be your lamb, the sacrifice for your sin. And you could today receive him as your savior. He'll come into your life. And you just invite him. Say, Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to come into my life and be my savior. I choose you, Jesus. I ask you to cleanse my soul. Lord, I believe that you sacrificed your life for me. You shed your blood so that my sins could be cleansed. I could be forgiven. I could be protected. I could have eternal life. And so I choose you, Jesus, today. And I ask you to help me. I believe you died for my sins. You were buried and conquered death. My Savior, come into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, what do we do now? Well, how about we just close and do what those people were doing as they were shouting to Jesus and praising him and giving him glory. Could we just lift our voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on Palm Sunday? Could we do that? Let's do that. <clears throat>
no, Good Friday and then Easter Sunday. I couldn't hear anything. 